0: Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air.
1: Freedom. This is what I call freedom. Well. Say I lot the children play While they wanna play And work When you wanna work Ride When you wanna flirt Oh, that's Freedom 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 Freedom
0: Freedom, freedom. When you wanna land Excited about being on this fucking ship
1: And cry When you wanna cry and don't have to feel Free. ashamed. Sing the song you want to sing. Free. When you can buy Free. what you want to buy. Free. With Free. no one to Free. ask you. From. Free. Dress the way you want to dress. Just because you're feeling spanked. Walk right the way you want to.
2: This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a
0: world a better place, one show at a time. The George Warner Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
1: All right. Welcome to the
0: George Wilder Jr. Show. We're a little bit late, folks. <laughs> we are a little bit late. I'm going to have to jump on my producer about that. Uh, maybe we're going to have to uh, replace my producer and start producing the show myself. We are a little bit late. 17 minutes late. Is 16. It's actually 17 after 6 p.m. in the city of Chicago, Central Standard Time. Anyway, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air, believe me. And um, sorry for uh, the confusion, if there was, if there was any, it's just that we're kind of late here, fifteen minutes late. Everybody uh, gets to be a, li- a, a little late sometimes, but we can't constantly have that kind of thing, can we? All righty, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're a little late, folks, and don't anybody get discouraged out there. We're here, we are here, and we're proud to be here, and uh, we're going to continue to be here because we like it, we love it. All right, it is a great day. As always, I, I and I say this uh, always, it is a great day in the city of Chicago, a wonderful day, folks. I, um, just thank your lucky laurels uh, to be alive, and to be functioning, and to be around, and to be happy. And that's what it's all about, it's about being happy. It's about uh, uh, having someone Uh, special or looking for someone special and and, and being positive about it, you know, just, just be positive about it in your life. I mean, it's, it's too, life is too short to be unhappy. Life is too short to be sad and, you know, lonely, depressed and stuff like that. Life is too, too short for that. You know, I mean, if you're looking for some, if you're looking for love and a lot of people are, it's, it's phenomenal how you have to be so, careful you really have to be careful if you're looking for love but that's that's what it's all about being happy being fulfilled in your life um uh, having some having a significant other is is is, i mean you become impaled in your own world and it's 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 phenomenal it's a great feeling uh you know so everybody out there i want you to be happy um Forget about being depressed. Forget about thinking that you're worthless. You're not. You're not worthless in God's eye or my eye. Um, so, you know, that's the way life is. All right. Welcome to the George Wanda Jr. show. Once again, I apologize. I keep apologizing. Whenever something goes wrong with the show, I totally apologize. I, stop apologizing, George. Shut up and do the show. Okay. All right, and I want to apologize for one other thing. Seriously, uh, if there's any cracks or breaking in the show, um, uh, you know, I apologize for that, you know, because things happen. I mean, this is computer, right? And computers are all over the world. People can hear the show all over the world, you know. So sometimes the wires are messed up. It's raining, it's storming, it's blizzing, blizzard, and stuff like that, how uh, tornadoes, all of this stuff can interfere with the... uh, uh, radar <laughs> wires or whatever radar wires reception uh working capacity of computers if you're uh, you know uh, on the radio on podcasting uh doing podcasting and radio on the um, web world wide web a lot of people don't say world, world wide web anymore it's internet you know www <laughs> world wide web okay i haven't said that World Wide Web in so long, I can barely say it, you know, I have to fix my mouth to say it. All right, uh, welcome to the George Walter Jr. show. I do have a guest today, and always, you know, it's it's Rick uh, Carsoner, Rick Karshiner, Rick, uh, Karshiner or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, man, if, if you're listening and I'm messing up your last name, I'm totally, I totally forgive me, you know, I'm, I'm just... Uh, still getting over the fact that we were 15 minutes late getting onto the show. And I'm trying to rush and hurry up and do things and and say things and you know. Anyway, welcome to the George Wanda Jr. Show. Follow me on Facebook, follow me on Block Talk Radio, follow me all over the place. The George Wanda Jr. show is now on the air, making the world a better place one show at a time. Be nice to one of be nice to one another out there. It is so easy to be nice. It is so ne- easy to say hi to someone or to say hello to someone. That's a great feeling. You don't always have to be you don't always have to be mean and angry and honorary, you know, like some people are, you know, but uh, try to be nice and kind and receptive and helping you know to one another. Forget about politics. forget, forget about the politicians. Be who you are. I'm gonna be who I am. If I love helping people, I'm gonna help people. I don't care if the people in Washington do not want to help people or not. They're not gonna influence me, uh, my way of wanting to help someone else who is in need of help. Because these guys in Washington, let's face it, folks, let's face it, they don't want to help anybody. They want to help the rich. They don't give two dams about the poor or the middle class. And they are really, really upset when the middle class people want to help those who are less fortunate than they are. Yeah. Politicians say, hey, wow, the poor, they ain't got it. They don't have it. Forget them. But the middle class saying, hey, wow, we're going to help our fellow man. We're going to help our fellow American, whether uh, those folks in the White House and in Congress. And they don't. They don't care about it. And uh, so we have to get out here and fill the void, you know, and they can never change those folks in Congress uh, representatives and senators. uh, They can never change our hearts. They may change theirs. They may harden their hearts, but you know, they're never, they will never get us to harden our hearts. And, you know, because there's a lot of people out there who are aching. There's a lot of people out here who are suffering and, uh, you know, we have to be there for them. That's no doubt about that. We have to speak for them. A lot of people don't have microphones. A lot of people don't have a way of getting their voices heard and who need help, you know. So that's why I'm here and you're there so we can get those people and their voices heard. But you know what? You you can have You can have your voices heard a thousand times over. These guys in Congress, these guys and girls in Congress, they don't have to listen, okay? They, (laughs) some of them will not listen because they just don't give a damn. But we do. We do give a damn. And this is America. And this will always be America, no matter who's in the White House, no matter who's in Congress. Because we are the people. We're going to make better in America. If the people in Congress, if they refuse to do the right thing, then we're going to do it. It's 324 million people in the United States. 324 million voting Americans in the United States. Now, you tell me who has the power president, which is only one guy, which are are probably maybe 200 or so. How how does that compare to 324 million of us? Now, the math is uh, astounding. So If they don't do their jobs, we can do their jobs for them because we have the numbers. They do not. They may have the power, but we have the numbers and and we have uh, what's right on our side, you know. So uh, they can never change our hearts, you know, and they have to realize those folks in Congress, they have to realize that it's 320 million Americans in the United States. And we get pissed off. We are loud. We are angry. We're not going to take it. They should remember that. All right. All right. Listening. You're listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show. My throat is a little bit sore, folks. Um, You're listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show and we're always making the world a better place here, folks. It's always <laughs> making, we're always making the world a better place. Uh, at, at least we're trying, at least we're trying, but we're going to need your help to do it. And uh, like, remember, it's 324 million Americans. We have the power. We have the power to move mountains and they better learn that, right? They better learn that. And I'm serious. They better.
1: This thing not right. no. <laughs> Okay. All right.
2: And we're back now with the round table
3: and I have a feeling you guys are gonna have a little different comments than Tom Bossard had about that gif. Let's let's look at it again. This happened just as we were ending our other round table.
4: Kayana, I got to start with you. I'm a CNN commentator. I think that is unacceptable. I think that is the President of the United States taking things way too far. It is an incitement to violence. He is going to get somebody killed in the media. Maybe that will stop him. I am disappointed beyond belief by the answer that the Homeland Security Advisor just gave. What a wuss. What a wuss. You could see that he is seeding his principles. You are the Homeland Security Advisor, and you can't stand here and say the difference between right and wrong. That's what's part of the problem. He is surrounded by enablers that do nothing but shake their heads and nod their heads in agreement with everything that he says. They have got to stop. They have got to stand for democracy, for freedom of the press. This is just going way too far. The president of the United States is inciting violence against the free press. And America, we cannot stand for it. I mean, it is just
3: kind of theater of the absurd, right? Um, I don't think any of us would have thought that this is something that the president,
4: any president, would do. But in particular, it just comes, as you mentioned, right after the shooting of Steve Scalise, Republicans and Democrats said it's time to take the rhetoric down a notch, and this clearly does not do that.
2: And everyone that we spoke to on the Hill right after that incident said the president was actually quite good on that stage he was reassuring he called for the co- the country to get together uh he gave a really good speech and visited the hospital for, to see Steve Scalise and now this uh I, listen I know a lot of people who work for CNN who have to be scared and 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 wondering why the president has decided to physically pummel somebody with the CNN logo uh on his face so uh, it'd be interesting to get some reaction
4: nobody at CNN is scared if anything this is making each and every one of us more resolute not to cower at to, at the bullying Of this president.
0: This is a free. Yeah, I'm not the coward bully to this president because that's what he wants, right? That is what he wants. Okay, let's do it this way dismiss. All right, welcome to the George Wanda Jr. show on Blog Talk Radio, folks. (laughs) We are here. I'm sorry about that, folks. We were we were about 15 minutes late getting getting ready and uh things happened. things happen. All right, let's bring in my guest. All right, you on the George Wanda Jr. show. Go right ahead. Hi, George. It's Rick Carlson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I I uh um uh we've been uh uh emailing back and forth uh, almost all week and uh this was something that uh <laughs> uh was expected and you sound like a fun guy we're gonna have lots of fun i hope so <laughs> all right tell my audience uh go, i'm sorry go ahead no you, you 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 were about to say something
5: well i was just saying it was all my fault because i can't read a calendar
0: <laughs> <laughs> i have several around me so i have to keep uh, score and keep schedule because I have several around me. Uh, but you know I keep I keep schedule of people pretty well, but sometimes folks uh, guess they don't keep the schedule, but I do and and that's fine. it's okay. I mean, okay, all right, tell my guests a, uh, about you who you are, and uh, are you gonna be talking about how the Cold War really ended?
5: right, George, I wrote a book called Standoff How the Cold War Really ended. Um, because we're start we're just delving into a new Cold War, and I thought we really needed to know what happened the last time, and we need to have some fun while we're doing it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. You know, <laughs> I totally agree. So, in case my some of my uh, uh, audience do not, know can you explain it or oh, was
5: sure? Sure. Uh, what happened? My book is called Standoff, How the Cold War Really Ended. You can get it at smashwords.com. Basically, many, many years ago, I wrote a script along the same lines. And we got very close to getting it made with um, comedy legends Dick Martin and Maddie Simmons. Dick Martin, of course, from Laugh-In, who gave us people like Goldie Hawn, Lily Tomlin, uh, Lorne Michaels, and then Maddie Simmons was the founder of National Lampoon. But they told me that I was way too far ahead of... Uh, my time because I wrote it before the Cold War ended, and I said there wasn't going to be a shot fired. And I also was sort of like, you know, if you if you, if Wag the dog and Do, and and Doctor Strangelove had a baby, it would be standoff. It would be standoff.
0: <laughs> oh wow i i know that you uh sent some questions in, but I don't have a question i I tried <laughs> digging for them, but I lost them some slight kind of way so I don't have no, any okay. questions you want me to so, wing you, it yes, wing it yeah <laughs> well, why not in fact hold on let me
5: let me, if in fact what one thing you wanted me to do and i if I'm not mistaken is read a little bit,
0: oh yeah, and you know I try to I I tried to but usually that's at the end of you explaining okay, I won't wait till um,
5: Well okay. basically standoff, I mean you can forget about the Reagan or Gorbachev or the Pope or Lech Walesa they have no part in my book in fact my idea is does anybody really believe that one morning Gorbachev called Reagan and said hey Ronnie I'm bored with the, the gold, with the, the whole cold war let's just call a tie and then Reagan said and well Gorbachev, you got to knock down
0: that and Gorbachev, remember, is, is, uh, is a Russian, a leader, uh, uh, back in the day, uh, leading Russia. Yeah. Okay. And mm. then
5: Ronnie said, let's just forget about those 40,000 nukes we have pointed at each other and those 2 million troops. If you knock down the wall, I'll call a tie. So when you think about that for a minute, that there had to be another reason. So I came up with one. And it's, and it's sort of it's a tale also of how sometimes— little guys can be smarter than big guys and that might doesn't make yeah. right.
0: I totally agree.
5: And so what happens is there's the, 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 the United States and the Soviet Union decide that they can't blow each other off the face of the earth. There, there is no military option. So they just, each country decides to sabotage the other's vice that they think will bring the other country to its needs. The, the Soviet Union just watches TV shows and movies and everything from the U.S., and they see everywhere they look, even even on news shows and sports shows, they see people smoking cigarettes. So they decide we can't live without cigarettes. Realize this is like in the 1970s or 80s when this is probably happening. Yeah. Yeah, and so they decided to sabotage our tobacco fields, and America decides the Russians can't live without vodka. Yeah, <laughs> so we sabotage yeah. their distilleries. Yeah, and two two leaders of of two poor opposite leaders who actually of small countries who actually were friends in college in in the United States. A, print, a, a playboy prince from Central Europe and a, an African leader who lives, whose island nation is right, in the, right on the Indian Ocean, which is great trade routes for both countries to spy on each other, sort of play the two big countries. Yeah. And both countries are extremely successful at their sabotage. And what ends up happening is the, Russia, the Soviets decide that they're tougher than the Americans. And they buy all our cigarettes. The, the Americans decide we're tougher than the Russians, so we buy all the vodka. And Americans start drinking, drinking like fish. The Soviets start smoking like chimneys. We're right back to where we started again. The two little countries are the new Saudi Arabia. They're so rich, and the, 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 and the superpower decided that there's no reason to keep on having a cold war because if we can't blow each other up and we can't sabotage each other, there's has going to be no winner. It's going to be like playing tic tac toe.
0: Yeah, you sound like that. Uh, a cold war that actually uh, boils down down to a consumer war between both both countries.
5: Well, basically, it it's comes down to, rather than consumers, sort of like what we need, what we're going to, what our addictions are.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, sure.
5: and what happens is, we're so big and so strong, but but we can't get by that little cigarette, and we can't get, they can't get by that little vodka. And so, they are brought Sabotaging to their knees by two people think. that they
0: yeah, sabotaging what they think we we might need to live on, the, you know, sabotage it to the to the point where it could hurt us if we don't get to exactly. smoke a cigarette or something you know, something to that effect.
5: I mean, if, I, George, I think we're probably almost the same age. Could, could you imagine in, let's say, 1980 that you could have told me, told you that on the south side of Chicago you couldn't drink in a tavern? You couldn't smoke in a tavern? Like you can't really? smoke today?
0: Yeah, well, it might have but been a riot happened. back then. <laughs>
5: <laughs> exactly. So, so, you know, it also, it's, my book also sort of explains, because if you remember in the 80s and 90s, vodka was like for people on Skid Row, you bought you bought a bottle of vodka at two yeah. bucks.
0: Yeah. That vodka's uh, you know, 50 I, and 100
5: I, bucks a bottle.
1: Yeah,
0: How'd same with happen? cigarettes. I'm, uh, same with cigarettes. I mean, cigarettes are probably $20 a pack now. Yeah, and I remember when my mother used to smoke, it was $0.35. Cents. You know, now you know it's crazy. And uh, if the Russians want tobacco, they can have it if they want it now. So, you know. <laughs> but how would you compare the Cold War to 2017? We're still dealing with Russia, you know, well, as you know. Well, that's, that, that sort of got me... I actually started turning it back, turning it from a
5: script to a book in about 2015 when I thought yeah. there might be a new Cold War coming because I saw, you know, you saw, you saw Putin taking over Georgia, trying to take over Georgia, taking over Crimea, and yeah. that's not doing anything about it, and, and NATO having war games on the Polish border. So I said, well wait a second. If we can't let them we can't say We can't let them start another cold war. So let's at least make them laugh. Let's laugh let's make fun of them before they do it again.
0: You you really think the Russians like being made fun of? Because we got a guy here right now that's you know, <laughs> the whole world is making fun of.
5: <laughs> well, that, well, I mean, that's it's really it's actually not even fair to make fun of him because it's just too easy. I mean, it's, yeah, of course, I'll tell you a little story about, uh, about, the, about the Russians is that I actually have a T-shirt that we had made, we sold a few of, which shows uh, Vladimir Putin being a puppet master with Trump as the puppet. I,
0: I think like, I've seen the that. Strings. I think I've yeah, seen something
1: similar
5: to that. I was sitting at the beach here in Huntington Beach, California, and these five young people, probably, I'd say 19 to 22 – so came over and said can we take picture and i said Shh, i'm not that cute anymore why would you want to take my picture <laughs> and they go and they said we love your t-shirt and i go you have an interesting accent where are you from And they said siberia and i looked at them and i looked i go here we they took a picture and go, here i'll show you we just put it on our facebook page and i go aren't you going to get in trouble and the one girl who's in the group goes, "What are they going to do? Send us yeah. to Siberia?"
0: Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I see. I seen the image that you're talking about. I also seen where uh, Putin was, uh, you know, the puppet, and the Putin was, and, and uh, Donald Trump. I saw it also on Facebook. That's where I saw it.
5: <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I, as I saw a fr- couple friends of mine, I've, I've I've been known by tens of people from that
0: yeah yeah uh, that's the <laughs> so is is this book how how the Cold war really ended so it's sort of like uh satirical kinda Yes, it,
5: it starts it's, it's, it's the first thing that stands off is then, then the subtitles how the cold war its it starts off as a- sort of a silly um uh, yeah. detective story because what happens is the African leader President Mubangu, is about to become Secretary General of the United Nations, and his, he's still close friends with Prince Claude, who helped. Who the, the two of them <laughs> the worked together Claude. to end the Cold War. Okay.
0: So um, these characters got some pretty good. Uh, f- well, uh, I mean, funny. Is, is,
5: is your show real? Is your show, real, is, is your show um, G-rated? <laughs> because I could give you the, the nickname of Prince Claude. If it's if it is if it's R rated,
0: it's it, it's it's uh it's R rated. I I really haven't put a rating on the show. Just well, uh, okay. His me? nickname is the Pie Piper of Pussy. Okay. In
5: other words, if you took Will Chamberlain, Charlie Sheen, and Hugh Hefner, Prince Claude made them all look like virgins. Wow. And so, but the thing is, they, they were, they,
0: like they, they were friends,
5: except for he's, <laughs> except for he's ta- smart, witty, and people like him.
0: Oh, okay. Great. Now that, that, that's a big difference.
5: <laughs> so, so what happens is uh, there's a young writer uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer who's going up to do an interview. He thinks he's going up to do an interview with President Mbongu before he became, as he's becoming Secretary General. But he doesn't realize is he's actually been picked... To write the story, the, the, neither one of them know the whole story. They only know their parts of the story. And they're afraid that because he became because he's now Secretary General of the United Nations, the story may come out and it may not be great. So they wanted to, they wanted to be in control of the story. So they sent him mm-hmm. all over the world looking for it. And he finds KGB agents who are in it, uh, a, a, chemist, a U.S. research chemist, a couple, of, a couple of U.S. spies, and he pieces together the story, then we tell the story, which, well, it's Monty Python-esque, to be honest with but Monty Python-esque <laughs> okay. uh, with a little bit of the mouse that roared, if you want it, to, it's, it's not exactly, you're not going to exactly find it in history books.
1: Yeah, yeah. Rick,
0: can you give us a little bit of an uh, excerpt from this marvelous book, Sounds sounds like?
5: Well, let me—the I, I, first chapter is about three or four pages. Let me, so you can stop me whenever you want. Okay. Well, I'll, well, how about this? I'll read the first few paragraphs, and then I'll read the end of, the, of, the, of, the, of this chapter. And it goes. The it's, 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 it's first chapter says, so Miles from Nowhere. The clickety-clack of the Trans-Siberia Railroad was equally hypnotic and torturous. I woke up half-naked in my compartment with a throbbing two-day drug-induced headache and note taped inside my briefcase that read, If I can do this, think of what the FSB and CIA are capable of. My thoughts ran to self-preservation rather than the mind-numbing sounds. So much of my odyssey had been a living combination of Monty Python meets Dr. Strangelove that I'd almost forgotten I was dealing with superpowers, real people and telling a secret that would change the world. I entertained the notion that if I could concentrate, the migraine would dissipate. I reached into my backpack and pulled out my notes. I spread them across the bed and tried to make some sense of what I'd learned on my journey thus far. After sorting through them aimlessly for a while, I decided there had to be a system. Put Put a put each prong of the story in one pile rather than trying to make it a single convoluted epic from four diverse groups who had no idea what the others were trying to do. The participants sounded like a bad joke. What if the Soviet Union, the U.S., a small European prince, and an angelic African leader were all trying to save their countries at the same time? Uh, the, first portion, the first portion of the story came from the data I th- I collected about the Russians slash Soviets as they were known at the time. I'd uncovered a lot of information about the inner circle of the Kremlin. I read and reread it, unable to believe what I knew from experience was true. There was no way these megalomaniac buffoons and paradise apparatchiks could have an empire that spanned uh, major parts of three continents and let me give you a, let me we'll skip down to the end of that power the end of the of the first of the first um uh, the first chapter because. The last notes I organized before I put them back into my briefcase for the evening were the perfect ending for the night. They came from Petey, an 85-year-old former pit boss in Vegas who had seen the Pie Piper in his wildest days. You've got to promise me one thing Petey told me. What's that? If you find out the real story before I die, you've got to tell me. Absolutely. A huge smile. Lit his wrinkled, ancient face. When you come to tell me, make sure I give you my will first. Why? Because when I hear what he did, I'll probably laugh my ass off into the big one. There'll be a hell of a way to go. Die with a smile on my face. Man, I haven't been this excited since that hooker in 83. You've made this old man very happy. I've got something to look forward to now. Thank the Pied Piper for me. You got it, Petey, I said with a, sneak, with a snicker. Perfect. I let the vodka and the clickety-clack of the train put me to sleep. I smiled to myself for that one last thought. And I said, when your kids ask, how did the Cold War really end, Daddy? You can tell them, this is how. Don't believe what you read in the history books. Sit back and read the real story.
0: You know, I I really enjoyed what you were reading. I thought it was funny. I thought it was, uh, uh, it sounds like it's an easy read. And uh, it, it's it sounds between Irma Bombbeck and what is this other guy name? <laughs> I can't think of it. Is it's an author? I have the book here. I can't think of his name. Dave something. Dave Barry. Dave Barry. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it it the it sounds great, man. It sounds good. It's funny. It's 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 satirical, and it's it's it has and there's a serious underlining subject there. Thank you.
5: And, you know, the the, I, the idea here is we got as crazy, you know, every time you think that something, that we've seen the craziest we're going to see these days, we're proven wrong. So this has yeah. every bit
0: as much of a chance to be true as anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Dust, uh, where can we find a book, man? You said Smashwords at anyplace else, website. Well, it's
5: right now I have it just up in Smashwords. We're, we've just been doing some uh, okay. marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. We've just been doing uh, like focus groups on it. It's on Smashwords.com, and you can just you just search for Standoff, and then if you want to put what how the Cold War really ended, you'll get it. Actually, it it reached um, the top 10 best-reviewed books of all time on that site until yeah. so somebody gave it a four-star review. It, it, yeah. it, for the first six months of this year, it was the highest-rated book, book posted in 2017.
0: You know, I was going to ask you how are people reacting to it, but it, it seems they're acting positive.
5: And it's kind of bizarre in that all I did was put, mm-hmm. up a, put it up there and put a tweet... One or two tweets, because I just wanted to make it completely organic. And mm-hmm. I've got reviews from Israel, Cameroon, uh, oh, England. Oh, wow! That, that's and, great. Like, I, think, I think we have like I and and a uh, several from the U.S. I think one from Australia. I think we have like four or five continents represented already, and people oh, have wow. liked it. So I hope some of your listeners like it.
0: I hope some of them do, too, because I do. I I think it's great. I think it's a great read. I think it's a wonderful read. uh, uh, The way you've, uh, you know, uh, uh, introduced that uh, excerpt, that that little excerpt that you've done, I think. uh, And I get a lot from excerpts because excerpts will tell you... uh, what the remaining of the book is going to be like. And that's great. That's beautiful. Do you have a website or in case someone wants to get in touch with you to get some more information about this?
5: We have a website, yeah. but it's, it doesn't have that book on there. But they can, they can email me at rick uh-huh. at noveltunity, dot com, Or go to Twitter. My Twitter is noveltunity. And oh, and they can they can hit me up over there too. And actually, yeah, I think George, I think we also have a mutual friend who's been on your show.
0: Yeah, I, uh, Nancy.
5: N- Nancy Hartwell.
0: Okay. Who actually? Right.
5: I, I was glad that she edited my book from twenty five hundred miles away because yeah. some of those words she used on me, I might have gotten buried in the sand. <laughs> all
0: right Rick do you you plan on writing another book doing this again
5: well I'm not sure about what's going to happen next I mean what may end up happening is I had read I I actually wrote a book a few years ago called a story almost told which hopefully will be changing its title to better late than never which was about trying (laughs) to get standoff made into a movie all right all right and that was also on Uh, smash and on um Kindle and on Amazon, and actually made number one memoir on both for at least a couple days.
0: Wow, that sounds great. That sounds good, Rick. I want to thank you for being on the show, you, and telling us about this wonderful book. And you guys out there, you make sure you're listening and uh, you go out and you get that book. How the Cold War really ended, and it it sounds satirical. Yeah, standoff. What? And standoff. All right. Thanks for being on the show, Rick. Thanks, George. Have a great one, man. You too. Bye-bye.
5: Bye-bye.
0: All righty. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air.
3: President.
1: Senator from California,
3: Senator Carper. It's interesting you talked about Tanzania. Um, it reminds me of a, a greeting that I've um, often heard from people who live in various African countries. You've probably heard it, but when you meet someone for the first time, instead of what we would normally say, "Pleased to meet you," the greeting back is, "I see you. I see you." And I think that really is part of our concern here. Do we see the people who will be impacted in the way that they are actually living their lives? And do we understand, if we see them, that this bill will not be in their best interests? And right now, for example, we know 13 senators, all Republicans are crafting a bill, and this bill would restructure our nation's entire health care system, which when you add up what Americans can spend on hospitals, doctors, prescription drugs, and all the rest, We understand that it makes up one-sixth of our economy. It would affect the lives of everyone. Our parents, grandparents, those who are in need of caregiving, our children struggling with asthma or opioid abuse, our spouses who may be battling cancer. And what is equally distressing is that this bill is being written in secret. The chairman of the Finance Committee says he has not seen the bill. The Secretary of Health and Human Services says he has not seen the bill. The American people, the people we all represent, have certainly not seen the bill. Well, I think the American people deserve better. This bill is being written entirely along partisan lines without any attempt to bring Democrats on board. And the American people deserve better. This bill is being written and rushed through the Senate with hardly any time to debate, the cost or the details of this proposal. And the American people deserve better. Now I remember when our colleagues across the aisle said the Affordable Care Act was being rammed down the American people's throats in the middle of the night. Well, the ACA went, in fact, through 106 public hearings. It incorporated more than 170 Republican amendments. The whole process took an entire year. But this health care plan involves no hearings, no bill text, and no transparency at all. As United States Senators, we were sent here to represent the American people. Represent the American people. We answer to the American people. So why are my colleagues from across the aisle trying to put one over on the American people? I've met folks all across California and this country, and they see what's happening. They know that if this bill were as wonderful as its proponents would like us to believe, it would be out in the open. The American people deserve greater transparency. But even though the authors of this proposal have tried to conceal the details of their plan. We know enough to know this bill would be nothing short of a disaster. We know because we have been told that it's about 80% the same as the bill that was passed by the House, a bill so catastrophic that even the President of the United States who hailed its passage now calls it, quote, mean. We know that it would throw 23 million Americans off their health insurance within a decade, including putting 4 to 5 million Californians at risk of losing coverage. We know it would raise costs for middle-class families and seniors. In every county of California, average monthly premium costs would go up, while financial support to pay premiums would fall. We know it would put Americans with pre-existing conditions at risk and leave people who need maternity care or opioid treatment without coverage or force them to pay huge out-of-pocket costs. We know it would cut about $834 billion for Medicaid, which means less money for families to pay for nursing homes, to support children with special needs, or to treat substance abuse. Bless you. And that is another reason we need the Affordable Care Act to be in place in a way that we fix what's wrong, but we mend what's broken and not repeal it altogether. I recently visited, Mr. President, a really remarkable treatment clinic in Los Angeles. It's called the Martin Luther King Jr. Outpatient Center. Everyone from the doctors to the patients can tell you that when 46,000 Californians excuse me, 4,600 Californians are dying every year from substance abuse and opioid overdoses. It is wrong and irrational to cut Medicaid. So it really makes you wonder, why would anyone support this bill? How does this bill help real people with real challenges? At a healthcare rally in Los Angeles back in January, I met a woman named Tanya. Before the ACA, She'd sign up for insurance just long enough to see a doctor. She'd then have a few tests done and fill a prescription. Then she would realize she couldn't couldn't pay and couldn't afford to pay for the insurance beyond that. And she said it's, quote, the worst feeling in the world to have to tell your doctor, who is trying to make you well, that you cannot afford the treatment prescribed. Tanya told me, quote, before the Affordable Care Act, Living without health coverage was a nightmare in this country. But she went on to say that has all changed, and thanks to the ACA, I can now see a doctor when I need to, monitor my condition, and stay healthy so I can keep working and contribute to our nation's economy. If my colleagues in Congress, and she referred to them as if the Republicans in Congress repeal the law, I don't know what I will do. So I ask... How does the Republican health care plan help Tanya? Another woman, Krista, told me, quote, I am married with four children, none of whom, and one of whom is a 10-year-old type 1 diabetic. He requires daily active insulin management to stay alive, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. She went on to say health care is not optional for us. Even with health insurance, diabetes management is the type of thing that can bankrupt you. Without health insurance, I can't imagine what I would do. She went on to say, the ACA is a huge relief for my family. So I ask, how does this bill help Krista and her family? Then there's Rhett in Marin County. More than seven years ago, he was diagnosed with leukemia. Rhett is nine years old. He says, cancer cells are the bad guys. This is what he wrote me. For three and a half years, I took chemo to get the bad guys out. I had more than 1,000 doses of chemotherapy. My parents had to tell my sister that I might die of cancer. And then he went on to write, thanks to my doctors and nurses, my family and friends, my church, and my community, and the Affordable Care Act. Now I'm, and then he writes, gone with the cancer. I have a pre-existing condition. Thanks to the Affordable Care Act, my parents don't have to worry about losing coverage. A nine-year-old, Rhett, is showing us the way. But how does this bill help Rhett? Now, I don't know the party affiliation of any of these folks, I don't know if they're Democrats, I don't know if they're Republicans, I don't know if they're Independents, I don't know if they're members of the Green Party. I'm not asking them those questions. I'm asking them, how are you doing? What's helping you? What do you need? And how will this impact you? And I know that I'm just one of two senators that they have. And when it comes to their needs and their need to be represented in the United States Congress and their need to be heard and their need to be seen, party affiliation should not matter. What should matter are the needs of the American people. And regardless then of who they vote for in a partisan election, I am certain of this. This health care plan that is being proposed by my colleagues from across the aisle will not solve their problems. And it will only create, in fact, more problems and potentially devastate people's lives. So to my colleagues, I say this shouldn't be a matter of supporting this bill automatically if you're a Republican or objecting just because you're a Democrat this is about what's right and what's wrong. If you know this bill is bad, stand up and stop it. Speak that truth. Now is not the time to keep quiet and hope nobody notices. Forget the politics. Forget partisan pressure and talk radio and primary ads. Instead. Just listen to the voices of the American people, not just in California, but in Nevada, in Arizona, in Ohio, in Alaska, in Maine, in Pennsylvania, in West Virginia, because they have made themselves overwhelmingly clear. Only 20% of Americans support this bill. A majority opposes it in every state in this country. It is the least popular piece of legislation in modern history. I'm asking you to think about the American people. I'm asking you to think about Tanya. Think about Krista. Think about Rhett, living with leukemia since he was just two and a half years old, undergoing two and a half hour infusions every night with such incredible bravery. Let the determination of Americans like Rhett bring us together, a nine-year-old boy who tells us in his words, don't repeal the Affordable Care Act, improve it. Because we all agree the ACA can be improved. It must be improved. It isn't perfect and I am ready to work with anyone who really wants to make it better. Instead of playing politics, instead of playing politics with public health and people's lives, we can actually work together to strengthen our health care system. In fact, I'm proud to have recently co-sponsored a bill with Senator Dianne Feinstein and a number of my Democratic colleagues. Our bill would make it safer and easier for middle class Americans to buy insurance if they currently don't qualify for any help paying their premiums. These are the kind of solutions Democrats can get behind. These are the kinds of solutions that would help and not hurt the people we represent. We took an oath to represent all the people. So I am asking every member of this chamber to think long and hard about the consequences of this bill. Think about the responsibility we've been entrusted with. We owe it to the American people to tell the truth, not to hide it. We owe it to the American people to solve real problems, not to manufacture new ones. We owe it to the American people to do the job we were sent here to do. I urge my colleagues, vote down this bill and stand up for the people we represent and serve.
6: Ron, I don't know, we were going to have a little more fun tonight about this crazy name-calling, but my God, this is much more important than the name-calling, calling calling people... uh, you know, d- dead eyes, what's his name, or whatever latest little moniker he throws at somebody, Mueller's not going to be best with it. Mueller's now getting this information as we're getting it. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of stuff indicating obstruction of justice. All that Nixon did, although it was criminal and cost of his office, was have the uh, CIA say, we're into this case, FBI, get out of it. This is mm-hmm. now four points of contact with the president saying, set me loose.
2: Yeah, it's it's true and I think we'd make a mistake by the way listening to the discussion you just had. I think we'd we'd all make a mistake if we frame this in terms of a narrow issue of collusion between the Trump campaign, maybe even Donald Trump himself and the Russians over the hacking that that sort of collusion was not necessary for the russians to do what they did but it's it's interesting to know that the fbi investigation seems to be broadening in scope they're looking at financial crimes now we're hearing these these investigations tend to go where the facts lead and i think that they're looking at things that are much much more than collusion but the fact that donald trump is doing this behaving in such a wildly inappropriate if not downright illegal way You know, I don't know what more, you know, what better indication there is that something is there. Something is there that he very much doesn't want people to know about.
6: Do you think he's, uh, how do you think we we are as a country right now with this president? What should we do?
2: I think we're in a, in a state of crisis. You know, we have the, the Russian collusion, the Russian, uh, you know, tapping into the uh, our democratic systems is a serious problem, but we have sort of got a handle on that. I mean, we know what happened there, and we know who did it. But the other part, the linked part of that crisis, is Donald Trump himself. This is a dangerously emotionally and, and mentally unstable individual here who is wholly ignorant about how you, you know, perform as, as President of the United States. And I think I've been watching from abroad for the last, last month here. I just got home a couple of days ago. But I think I've sensed a change in the coverage now. I think people are finally starting to come to grips, as we must come to grips with the notion that we have a dangerous individual in the Oval Office who, who is a national security threat, and he needs to be removed from office. That's easy yeah. to say, but, but he need, he's well. unfit and he needs to be removed.
6: Ron, when your dad was president, we had an ideological fight in this country. You were part of it. You're on the liberal side, I believe. And, uh, and everybody was comfortable in that because your father was a conservative, but he was a true conservative. He had written for years about a point of view. He had served as governor for eight years. Com- you know, he was quite capable of doing the job, quite competent to do the job. The one sad thing I hate when I watch television, my show included, when people get on and it's a left-wing versus a right-wing thing, I don't think that's what it is right now. I think that's what we're missing. Yeah. It's not progressives against a conservative president. You know, if, well, if it was someone like Ted Cruz, that would be the case. This is not Ted Cruz. And this is something different. And I wish the Republicans on the moderate right and the far, not the far, but moderate and, and centrist right would say he's our problem, too. But why are they
2: not talking? Well, listen, Chris, when the history books are written about this period, and they will be, there are only going to be two sides. They're going to be patriots and they're going to be partisans. They're going to be true Americans, and there are going to be people who are engaged in behavior. And I would I would throw Donald Trump into this category, engaged in behavior that can only be described as treasonable. It's not treason technically in the legal sense, but it yeah. is treasonable. Uh, they are taking Russia's side over over the United okay. States of America. Russia attacked us. What was Trump doing meeting those people in the Oval Office and bragging about anything to them? I know. You know the the, the pictures were were absurd. He looked like some kid who just Yeah, we
0: are in some trying times. We are in some deadly times. I mean, Trump is, if you haven't heard so far, Trump has, uh, I think it was a couple of days ago, he uh, <laughs> he told the Russians, we're going to... What kind of crap is that? Threat. And now they're trying to, as, as, as always, Trump and his surrogates... The Trump surrogates, the Trump, the people who kiss his Trump's ass—they're running all over the media and saying Trump didn't mean it that way, or he misspoke, or he did uh, for the uh, for the rest of us to calm down. They're always trying to defend what is indefensible in Trump. Every time he opens his mouth, he says something just so pathetic. It's unbelievable. And then you get these people, Kellyanne, Conway, all of of his minions, people in the White. Well, he didn't mean it that way. He didn't mean it the way it come out. Or he was just joking. Trump, he needs to be thrown out of office. That's what he needs to be. And there is a big coalition uh, around America who are trying to do just that, get this guy up out of the Oval Office. He's unfit to be president. He's unfit to be in the White House. He's unfit to be in politics. Let him go back to wherever the hell he came from, The Apprentice. This guy, okay, key State Department posts in flux. They're in flux. Key State Department posts because of fire and fury. The North Korea threat, which which was dumb. Which was totally dumb. And he's and Trump said something else after he said Fire and Fury. He said they best not screw with the United States, something to that effect. But I'm saying they best not. What kind of talk is that coming from a president? North Korea, I think they're assholes. I think something should be done, but we don't have to blow each other up. And there are so many people now talking, saying that. Trump needs a distraction, and this is a distraction. Starting a war, a nuclear war, is a distraction away from the Russian investigations, Mueller and his team of lawyers. Trump needs something to, that's going to keep him in power. I've heard this. I've read all of this. I don't buy it, but it, anything is plausible. Trump, uh, this guy is a mess. UN has no permitted ambassador to... South Korea and no, oh, okay, uh, no undersecretary for arms and control and international security among many unified jobs. It's a lot of uh, posts uh, around the world and in America that Donald Trump has yet to fill. He has to fill these posts. Nobody wants to work for Donald Trump. That's a lot. That's the reason why a lot of these jobs in the government that need to be filled right now. They don't want. They don't want to work under Donald Trump. Why? Trust Donald Trump. Donald Trump will throw anybody, any time, under the bus if he's not getting the fair coverage that he thinks he ought to. He will throw you straight under the bus. Doesn't matter who you are. He will kick you out of the White House. You know. I mean, he one of his temp, temper tantrum. He becomes a gangster, a thug, or the Godfather in the White House you know, like he's king or like he's the emperor of the world, Donald Trump will throw you under the bus. And we've seen that with several, several of his appointments, several of the people he have a uh, 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 legion of uh, uh, friends to, you know, he's thrown them under the bus. And Donald Trump is throwing Mitch McConnell under the bus right now because he feels that Mitch McConnell can't get his stuff straight when it comes to defunding and and dismantling Obamacare. He doesn't want to say that it's the people. This is a people win. This is an American win. Whenever Donald Trump loses something, he never wants to bring the American public in on it because Donald Trump doesn't give two craps about the American public. And a lot of people are saying, well, we we really do want Donald Trump to stay in office. Because they're saying that Mike Pence is a lot worse. My thinking is that if Donald Trump gets impeached, that should put Mike Pence in check. He cannot go around doing the same thing that uh, uh, Trump is doing. He will be impeached also. Then I I say this, uh, impeach them all, send them all to jail. Send these clowns that are aiding and abetting Donald Trump in Congress, send them, send send those people to jail. Every one of those Republicans that voted for the repeal of the American Care Act should go to damn, to go, should go to jail. Sorry, should go to jail. But it ain't going to happen. I think Donald Trump and a lot of these Republicans should go to jail just for defying the Constitution of the United States. I mean, anytime you defy the Constitution of the United States, you should, you know, go to jail. But, you know, I, I don't know. Donald Trump wants to start a war now with Korea. Yeah, they're a bunch of scoundrels. They should be in check. But you don't have to threaten them with nuclear weapons. And then they are threatening, threatening us with nu- nuclear weapons. Get a, he's going to get us all blown the fuck off the earth. This guy has a, a thin skin. Hillary talked about this in 2016 when they were campaigning, and she was so right about it. But the thing about Donald Trump Donald Trump doesn't give a damn about the American people. Donald Trump cares about him and his empire. That's it. He's using he's using the office of the United States to do one thing to get richer he doesn't realize and he don't he doesn't realize and he don't want to hear that he is a public servant oh he doesn't like that he gets pissed off if you call him a public servant the president of the united states which is exactly what he is but he doesn't like that so this fire and fury thing of north korea has really gotten some of the people in in Washington uh, uh, and in some of these agencies really, really upset. So what Congress is going to have to do, they're going to have to uh, take away some of this guy's power. They're going to really have to take a, away a lot of his power or we're going to be dead. This man is crazy. The Assistant Secretaries of um, East Asian and Pacific Affairs and Nuclear Nonproliferation are similarly acting positions, and the role of Undersecretary and for Arms Control and international Security is very tight, you know. So, uh, um, it, and and if you heard about it, Mike Pence is denying that he's jockeying to run for president in 2020. He's he's denying that, that he's waiting for Donald Trump to be impeached so he can become president. But if this investigation goes through thoroughly, uh, he might be on his way to jail in handcuffs with Donald Trump. So he shouldn't speak too soon. But I actually think that he is in line uh, to run for president. And he's the worst thing ever. Some people say he's worse than Donald Trump. But how do you get worse than Donald Trump? Some people are more afraid of Mike Pence than they are of Donald Trump. It is absolutely true that (laughs) that he's getting ready for, you know, uh, Kellyanne Conway, another uh, stooge for Donald Trump. I mean, she doesn't mind being a stooge. She doesn't mind licking his feet. I mean, and she'll lick his feet and then come out and say, I want to lick his feet some more. She's just a crazy clown for this goon and Jeff Sessions and Paul Ryan, all of these people who are just awful (laughs) for the United States. And they you know they're running it. They're running the United States, and it's it's a shame. So uh, a lot of us are dismayed. A lot of us are uh, unhappy with this regime in Washington. And uh, we just have, we're the people. like as I've said at the top of the show, folks, there's three hundred and twenty four million of us. and uh, only a few of these clowns in Washington that are making decisions that we don't like. 324 million. That's 20, That's 324 million votes, minus those who aren't of voting age. We can throw these people out on their asses. In some cases, we can throw them out on their butts with our votes. We don't have to take this. Throw them out. Republicans who voted to end, to repeal Obamacare, And these guys who voted to, these guys and girls who voted to end Obamacare, they live in some of the poorest districts taking health care away from the poor. The people who voted for them, the people who gave them their uh, universal health care, and they're going to vote to take our health care away from us and then say it's good for America, it's good for you. How is not going to a doctor, going to the doctor? How is going to the doctor good for you or good for me? Are sick? How is that not? How is that good for America? That's just a lot of Republicans who voted for act the repeal of the American Care Act, aka Obamacare. This this is how they are masking it. This is how they framing it when they are going to town halls in their districts. And I have to say, for some of the Republicans who are uh, attending, they're attending their town hall meetings because they're on a break from Washington, from a break from doing anything at at all. Uh, They're on a break. So they're attending a lot of their uh, town hall meetings and they're getting their asses handed to them. Then you have a lot of Republicans who said who are saying they're not going to go to any town hall meetings. They're not going to meet with their bosses. They're not going to talk with the people who put them in office because they don't want to get their asses chewed out. You know, so those people who those Republicans and there are a lot of them who refuses, like Paul Ryan, who refuses to attend or go to a public town hall to talk to the people that elected him. They should be thrown out of office because it's 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 a true indication of these people uh, not working for the American people, working for their party and the party bosses. And that is wrong. So a lot of these people should be thrown and kicked out of office is three hundred and twenty four million Americans. Why are we letting two or three hundred Republicans step all over us and make decisions for our lives which uh, uh, by throwing us off healthcare and ruining uh, America as a whole, that's what's happening. And then they go to these town hall meetings and try to explain that over and their constituency, the voters, they're not having it. They're just not having it. And uh, I don't blame them. I really truly don't blame them. But folks, we got 2018 coming up. If Donald Trump is still in office. The Republicans are out of there. All these Republicans who are who are who are uh, gladly kissing Trump's ass—they will be looking for a job because, yeah, I mean, uh, representatives, you know, in Congress serve only for two years. So every two years, they have to be voted back in or reelected, or they're or they will not be voted back in. And I understand a Democrat won uh, on Tuesday. And some people are saying, well, a Democrat won in, in some state. I can't recall the state, but anyway, I could look it up. But um, uh, they're saying that this is a good sign for Democrats. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But Democrats got to do more than just getting one win. They got to get a few or a few hundred that's what they got for both houses, you know, even in some of these governors look at these these uh, uh Republican governors out there's too many of them, and they're just wrecking their states like the one in my state, Bruce Rauner. We have a Republican governor, but this is not a red state because we have a a general assembly made up of Democrats who can who have and can continue continue to override this monster who wants to take money away from needed agencies that help people, who wants to take money away from public schools because he doesn't give a damn about kids. He'll, he'll, he's saying anything. He's saying, he's saying one thing and he's doing another. He's saying, I love children. We want educated kids. But on the other hand, he strips the schools of money. He doesn't sign a budget to fund uh, needed education. He does quite the opposite. And you're telling yourself, what the hell is this? Bruce Rauner has been one big failure for Illinois. He has been one big joke for Illinois. A lot of people in Illinois, they're comparing Bruce Rauner, even myself, to Donald Trump. To Donald Trump. So uh, we're just going to have to try and get these people out of uh, office. And uh, I think we can do it, folks. I think we can do it because this is this show is all about making the world a better place. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me right here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I'm here. My voice is here. We're going to do something. We got to take this country back. On down in stature in the world and these assholes in Washington, they uh, they just want to see people. working people, middle-class people, they want to see us suffer. There's no doubt about that. And then turn around and say it's good for America. That's not America. It's not good for America because that's not America. You know, if you don't care about your fellow man, the rest of us do. If you don't care about crap, that's your business. Don't try to uh, uh, tell us whether we should care about someone or not. A lot of these Republicans do that. And it's a shame that they do.
1: If the bombs begin to fall, man, never, never saw. So. Yeah, and I have to refer you to the White House on that because you don't know. White House. Never help the black man if he struggles one more day. Never help the white man if he turns.